Today on the show, we cover Eddie Guerrero finally winning the WWE Championship at No Way Out 2004, and we have Fan of the Week, and the Podski starts now. The Podski with John Baker. For over one year, the revolutionary force in audio entertainment. Take it to the limit, yeah. Living on the edge. Who is your daddy? Hello and welcome to the Podsky. I am your host, Johnny Big Show. With me ringside is Teddy Mongoose. We got a two-man crew today. It is episode 85. And we are going to be taking a look at No Way Out 2004. We are on the road to not only WrestleMania, but here on the Podski, we're on the road to WrestleMania 20. We covered the Royal Rumble 2004, and this is the bridge show to get us to WrestleMania 20 for the SmackDown brand. And it is a good one. So, welcome in, Teddy Mongoose. What is going on? I have a couple of things to say here. First off, do you see this fly jacket that I'm wearing right now? This is this yeah, this is my uh New Japan tracksuit for 2023. Or uh, I guess it'd be 24 now. It was the 23 tracksuit. Um Mrs. Mongoose says I look like a NASCAR driver wearing this. Uh <laughs> she's either wrong. Or really right, but regardless, uh, me and Baby Mongoose hit the streets last week. We went to a local arcade. Baby Mongoose wore a solid lavender tracksuit while Homeboy was out here repping the uh, black, white, blue, and red um, with the New Japan logos all over this. I am going to be stomping in this in Philadelphia here coming up here in a couple of weeks. Mm. Um I got a couple of other things to say really fast. First is uh, there is a match between Kazuchika Okada and Tanahashi. Okada and Tanahashi had their last match. I didn't see it yet, but I'm very excited for that. Uh, there is also a Zack Sabre and Brian Danielson match that happened yesterday that is supposed to be out of this world. Okay. Haven't seen it. Very excited to see it. And we have a one hour plus War Games match with the Bullet Club War Dogs versus Osprey and some baby faces that apparently takes place in a cage that is not a War Games cage, not a Hell in a Cell cage, not even a Brett versus Owen cage. Like, apparently this cage is just barely over the posts, <laughs> and I can't wait for it, man. Uh, it goes over an hour. I heard it went way too long. But it's brutal, bloody, and I want to see it anyway. And it is Will Ospreay's send-off. And so at some point in time, maybe we'll check in on all that. But, um, you know, these are big happenings because these people are now coming to America. And so I wanted to note that. I also need to say, man, John, this is our first ever two-man show. It is. This is exciting. Like, I'm excited, man. I am. I'm excited. So let's let's do this, brother. 
I know. So uh, last week there was a press conference, which really wasn't a press conference at all. There were no questions asked, and there really wasn't a lot of questions answered until afterwards. Uh, but I went live for that on the Podsky YouTube channel. So uh, they might be doing these more in the future. I figured out how to live stream, so I'm dipping my toes in that. So if you want to check that out, you can. If you want to watch a press conference over again, you can just dub me over it. And uh, it was a little bit. Of, it was just a live react, just watching it and reacting what was going on, on the screen. And uh, had a good time with that. Also, last week we did the Sting Part 2, and that was The Crow. So that was everything from Bash at the Beach 96 to the end of WCW. So Part 3 is coming up the week of AEW Revolution. And that'll be the TNA run, the WWE run, and AEW all compact into one final wrap-up show. And yeah, this this... We have to talk about the press conference because I we want- have to talk about the press conference because <laughs> before you even speak, <laughs> I I need to speak for you. Okay, is that can you put the tweet on the screen of Hey Hulkamaniacs and Jabroni Marks? Uh, you ever get worked into a work and you're a work work brother? Yeah, because you got worked into. <laughs> I did. <laughs> you got worked into a work. I got so worked. Oh my word, was that? Cool? I was so upset that Friday night that like it nearly ruined uh, our entire weekend here at the Big Show household. It was brutal. Well, and, and here's the other part: not only did it ruin it for you, it ruined nothing for me because. And I, I here's where I felt really bad. I don't care if it was going to be Rock and Roman. I've never been to a mania. You've been down that road, bro, right? Yes. 38 years old I am, about to be 39. The first WrestleMania took place in 85. And so that means that as long as I've been in in existence, WrestleMania has been here. And I've only ever wanted to go to this show. And so, brother, it didn't matter if it was going to be the Barbarian versus Fake Sting in the main event. I was going to be excited for it. And I felt really bad because <laughs> there you were saying, Holmes, this is bullshit and I'm upset and this is why. And I'm saying, brother, I don't care. Like, I just give it to me. And um, I am so happy that we at least got to the end of this long and winding road. Uh, not, not to the end of it, but, you know, g- gave some clarity uh, because – I, I, no matter what, I was going to be so pumped up and it didn't matter who it was or why it was. And I'm happy that you could be excited too. I know. I was so just nervous because it didn't, it just, something just didn't add up and it didn't make sense. And I have, when I, on that live stream, I legit, I said, I have 40 minutes of ranting. I have one just by myself and I have one with JC and I because we literally just started going after we were done with the Sting Show. I just left it roll and we went for 20. I have 40 minutes of just us ranting of how much sense it did not make. But like in the end, it it didn't really matter. They were going to figure it out. Not not that it was ever going to matter if Cody was going to be in the main event or not. But I was I was so nervous. But <laughs> I'm I'm so incredibly excited regardless but i'm super excited because i don't know if there's been a more meaningful press conference 
in WWE since like Mania 14, whenever they did that outside. That it, was awesome. Yeah, with, with the workout, with the live workout or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing that I can think of as even remotely close. Well, and so here's the thing. First off, it should be stated that, and, and, and this is specifically because you, I think it was you that shared with the group that whoever Triple H's thoughts are t- on Twitter that was like, Meltzer put out 36 things and all of them were wrong. Yeah. And I read The Observer from last week, which if you haven't, you should. Mm-hmm. And it just just the mania part. Okay. And then he does a breakdown with everyone's favorite, Garrett Gonzalez, oh. afterwards. Afterwards, though. And here's the thing, dude. It is the way that he lays it out is very much the WWE had to book the T-Mobile arena arena in advance mm-hmm. with the rock. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like that was a surprise. No. And you book that with the rock thinking that he's going to be in your main event to say that he knew that everyone was going to poop on him and that people were going to root for Cody and everything the way that they did. I think is it's it's an irresponsible thought because though every time the rock has come out for five years, it's been explosion. Yes. But what they did, and this is the truth, is they read the room and good for them for reading the room and double good on Dwayne for reading the room and embracing being Hollywood rock. Because I think that the initial thought was Cody's going to give this away and it's going to be the rock and we're going to high five and say, yes, Mm -hmm. we've wanted this forever. And Cody's going to get his. And in the meantime, brother, I don't know if you saw the NXT show, the stand and deliver show or not stand and deliver, excuse me. um, Vengeance day. But there were signs all over the place that said, like, WWE want Cody. Yeah. I got news for you, man. Ain't nobody writing a sign that says WWE want Cody. You know what I mean? Like, we might say we want Cody, but you're not putting the WWE logo in there. So those were obviously planted signs. And what I do believe is that the idea was to create the Daniel Bryan groundswell for Cody and have Cody get his at probably the first televised SmackDown on USA. That's conspiracy theory. I think that they were thinking that we could get uh, WrestleMania then. Mm -hmm. What they weren't ready for was 500,000 dislikes on that clip in 24 hours. Yeah, And because The Rock already had to eat a turd sandwich with the Black Adam stuff, Oh my. He doesn't want to be a heel, meaning you don't want to see me. Mm-hmm. And so him being Hollywood Rock was brilliant. It was brilliant because now when he does help Cody, he's going to be the biggest baby face. Just the biggest baby face. I was And re- so I was listening go to ahead. where people were saying that it might not be Rock. Like 
the rock could end up being the heel in the end. And then they use it as a double turn where rock turns, he, he turns heel in this scenario, but, and then in the end, Roman becomes the baby face. I see. See, I don't see that. And the reason why is because it's a two day event. The tag match makes all the sense in the world because now the rock doesn't need to get into ring shape. Mm -hmm. The rock is going to be able to be like the, the allegory. And the, the reason the thing that really stood out to me was when Triple H was like, Mr. T and Hulk Hogan versus like when you put out loud yeah. that Mania 1 was a tag match with a celebrity versus two dastardly heels. I mean, it, it's it's the same thing, except the celebrity isn't with the baby face. He's a heel, right? Yeah. And so now you have the baby faces being able to sell, sell, sell the whole match Ooh. as opposed to Mr. T only being able to do these spots where he looks really strong, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you still do that with The Rock, don't get me wrong, but I expect this match to be Cody and Seth sell, sell, selling, and then whatever they choose to do with the finish, you know, whatever. But that leads to then Cody and Roman. And I do believe that we finish Mania Weekend with solos coming out and the Rock stop solo. You know, like the Rock stop solo. He doesn't interfere in the match, but the Rock stop solo. And then I think the Rock raises Cody's hand because you know who the Rock loves. He loves the Rock. And who's gonna cheer? Who's gonna cheer? He's gonna get cheered when he when he raises Cody's hand, and that's I, I I don't I could be totally wrong, man. I've been wrong thirty times. I thought that we were gonna see a tournament. I thought we were gonna see the Rock and Roman, and then Cody and Roman later. But the way this shook down, I think that this is great and excellent and good booking. All this stuff, dude. I do, and this is all on the fly. Uh, I refuse to believe that they knew The Rock was going to have to eat the crow that he was served. Now, the other thing about The Rock is when he looked shook, Yes, I bought that he was shook. I did too. And, and he wasn't shook, bro, because shook. he was he was turning, yeah. and that's how you know he's a pro. Like, yeah. that, like that, that dude is a literal pro actor because yeah. he sold, I'm shook, and then he turned – and then started cursing the Triple H. And that was awesome. So what makes me think that I think you're on the right path. What I think is that it doesn't, the Rock and Roman thing doesn't end at WrestleMania. I think it only begins at WrestleMania. But I don't think the turn happens until later. I think my my booking, I like yours. I like your idea. I think that somehow Jay is going to get inserted because they because Cody mentioned Jay specifically at the press conference he said mm -hmm. jay doing so i think that rock and them are going to come down and jay's music hits or jay runs in and rock lets jay go but jay takes solo out and then that starts planting seeds of doubt in rock's mind like what is really going on here and he starts stepping back slowly but the, he doesn't turn on roman or anything like that till later on and then they do that match later in the year all right so I I like this man. So my booking then, if we're if we're gonna book this out, yeah. So mine is that Rock, whatever the finish is, uh -huh. it could be 
Did Rock and Roman go over night one and Cody and them earn his respect? Mm -hmm. Or it could be that Cody and Seth go over night one and The Rock says, these guys got it going on. Either one of those finishes are okay. I think the better finish is actually with The Rock pinning Cody. And the reason I say The Rock pinning Cody is that The Rock pins Cody after, like, bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, like, like solo interferes. Yes. Cody eats a spear and kicks out. Yes. Like, all these things happen. And then The Rock gives him, like, three rock bottoms and then pins him. And then, night two, when Solo goes to interfere, The Rock steps up and says, uh-uh. Like, this guy's a warrior. Let him fight the fight. The Cody wins, and Roman says, what the F? Yeah. And now we have Roman and The Rock in Saudi Arabia, which is the big money match that Prince Mohammed bin Salman wanted the whole time. That is true. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. And, and, and dude, there's there's 7 million ways this can go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but... They they accidentally put themselves into a great situation. And here's the biggest problem with WWE booking: you can't keep accidentally falling up. Like like, do you know what I mean? Like we talked about this before. I do believe that Cody's booking was that Cody should have won the title last year, was supposed to win the title, and Vince Hunter somebody stepped in because you don't just get into a feud with Brock to prove yourself. You get into a feud with Brock to be like, oh, I am the real champion. Especially because Roman was just kind of feuding with Jay and it didn't matter. Yes. So I think that now that these cards are laid out, this is a real chance at a redo and a really good redo. And I hope that they redo it well, man. I really do. Yes. I can't wait. Uh, But yeah, so that leads us into our segment or weekly segment i sent you the uh picture already so we'll uh do fan of the week now fan of the week oh baby i'm pulling up right now let me see what you got so my fan of the week it's only a still and it is of a parent at a WCW show in an NWO Wolfpack shirt, and he is giving his son the torture rack. And that was on a Nitro. I have no idea when it was, but I saw this, and I I popped to the moon because what are you willing to do to get on television other than give your own son a torture rack at a Nitro? It looks like, and, and it looks like little buddies in a black and white shirt. Yeah. So you chose the wrong side, pal. <laughs> and and yeah, and that's how you learn. Okay. So I have I have two and I excuse me because I don't have them ready right here, but you can throw them on the YouTube. I have two. Uh, my two are uh Macho Man Charlie Manson from the NXT show this weekend, this uh two weekends ago, I guess by the time this comes out. Uh Macho Man Charlie Charlie Manson was absolutely Missing just the swastika tattoo in his forehead. All right. This dude uh, (laughs) absolutely looked like somebody who was ready to call to order a cult of young people to listen to the Beach Boys 
and go full helter-skelter. And he was having the time of his life, okay? He was. He was having the time of his life. Also, I have who I called Helen Hogan from the same show, who was just a chick in a Hulk Hogan shirt that was just smashing beers the whole time. And she was a spirit animal. And so I will send those both to you so that you can throw them up as I bring them up here on the pod. Oh, that is great. Oh, yes. So make sure you send in. Uh, if you have any of your fan of the weeks that you want to see here on the Podski, you send them in at our socials at the underscore Podski on uh, Twitter and Instagram. You can hit us up in the comments below as well. Uh, and we'll, I'll for sure put the, I sent you the gif of that dad and that, oh my gosh, is that great. What mm-hmm. he learned to. He's got yep, his- yep. Yep, when when you when you see Macho Man Charlie Manson and <laughs> then and then Helen Hogan, you'll get it. <laughs> you, yeah, you you'll understand the whole way. Oh, all right. Yeah, Helen, Helen Hogan was just smashing brewskis, bro. Right there in the front. That that was all she wanted to do was just drink beer out of the can, eat beers and ta- or beans and taters right there on the beach. Yeah, it was good time. Good time had by all. <laughs> Oh my. All right. So we're at the main event. This is the No Way Out 2004 uh, review. I am super excited to talk about this show because it was hot garbage for the first 70 minutes. And then the last 70 was just absolute dynamite. It was fire. It was great stuff. So I will let it get away. It was. And before before I go into the formality of it, Let's 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 pull pull the curtain here. Sure. We had a little talk ski before the start of the pod ski, and John and I discussed that John's been watching these TVs so, to get the background of everything that's going on, and I do the observer digging and the observer digging that I saw before the rumble, and then like what would have been after the rumble, and then for this show is pretty deep but has nothing to do with this show. Mm-hmm. And so John and I are talking that maybe uh, throw a little bit of a uh, 0.5 episode out here where we give a road to WrestleMania 20 uh, coming up here in uh, early March, right? Yes. We're going to do like a 0.5 or a, or at least a bonus episode of something that tells the story from between No Way Out and WrestleMania 20. And it's going to be for both brands because there's a lot of stuff going on. Because we're talking offline, there was something huge about the main event of WrestleMania 20 that I had no idea was even happening. I Me had, either. It, it, they, like that's just wild, man. It's yes, it's 20 and, and it's a huge deal. Yep, yep. I can't wait. And, and it has nothing to do with Brock wanting to go to the NFL. Like that's that's what's crazy. It yeah, is nothing. Yeah, so no. so a little bit of so John's going to handle the I'm watching the television, and I will handle the. Hey, I'm the nerd in San Francisco or San Jose or whatever, typing up everything every week. And uh, we'll we'll sort of compare notes and see where it takes us. So we watched No Way Out 2004, took place on February 15th, 2004, came to you live from the Cow Palace in San Francisco, sellout crowd. We had about 11,000 fans, about 9000 uh paid with a gate of $450,000 which was a record at that time 
shattering the old record of $310,974 set on February 22nd, 1998 for a Super Super Brawl pay-per-view headlined by Hulk Hogan and Sting. Mm. And like I said in the beginning, this show, when you turn it on, about the first 15 minutes of the show, you're just going to be like, ah, this is like everything is going on right now uh, with the WWE. This is everything that you don't want to see out of WWE when you turn on the first like 15 minutes of this. I, I should time you out before you do. Yes. Really quick. The show had 63.9% thumbs up. Ooh. It had 10, 10.1% thumbs down and 26% thumbs in the middle from Observer subscribers. Best match was Eddie Guerrero, Brock Lesnar. Worst match was Jamie Noble versus Nidia. And for people that don't know this card, you probably would hear that and say, yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) But uh, I'll tell you what, brother, you sent me and old Andretti the match list, you know, two weeks ago or whatever. And I was excited to see it. And then I forgot the card you sent. And then when this thing started, I'm sitting there with Mrs. and Baby Mongoose, right? It's a Sunday. I'm thinking I could watch some wrestling, have us a Sunday afternoon. And who comes out? Tori Wilson and Sable. And you know what I did immediately? (laughs) I turned it right the F off. Yep. There was no chance that I was going to indulge. John, tell me what you thought whenever you turned this show on. I instantly got so scared, even though I was by myself, I just saw Tori Wilson and Sable come on the screen and start walking down the aisle. And I immediately just said, nope. And I just hit fast forward and I just fast forward until I didn't see him on screen anymore. I didn't even want to. Yep. Yep. So to fill everybody in, because I did watch this on Peacock while I was, uh, you know, doing some aerobics or whatever, uh, (laughs) We did have them saunter out to the ring and they just hawked the Playboy uh, issue that just came out. Taz said that he bought it and it was his favorite issue ever. Wow. Um, and so it was Playboy with uh, Tori Wilson and Sable and Tori Wilson all the way live. And, and the thing about Tori too is, is that she also, she was charismatic and she could hold her own. And Sable is just, it's like an AI talking, you know what I mean? But yeah. she had, she had huge bombs and uh, it mattered. And so that was the opening segment. Yeah, it was quick. Look, man, it is, it is, it is irresponsible and rude, especially as a, as a girl dad to degrade somebody to say that you're just like boobs, right? Yeah, but on TV, Sable's just boobs. You know what I mean? And, and that's what sucks. Yeah, it was bad. The, also, the first thing that I noticed about this show was this the first year that they started the WrestleMania sign? Because I noticed it in the Raptors. I didn't huge, notice, but it huge was, up there. It was yeah, I, I don't know if it was the first year, but it was it was prominent, man. Yeah. I feel like that might have been the first one. 
But we do have, uh, we, I think we have six matches on the show. They start us off with Too Cool versus the Basham Brothers. And uh, I, before you start, this so <laughs> I I watched the the Sable deal. Yes, and immediately they go into the Brock and Eddie video. Oh yeah, and I'm like. Brother, is this the first match on the show? Like, like I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I totally forgot the card you sent, and I'm thinking, did we go from a Playboy plug to the like what I remembered as being this mega iconic match? And thank God we did not. Yes. But I was, I was not prepared. There was an incredible intro hype video, great that I hope was played before people had a chance to buy this show. You, do you know what I'm saying? Because like it would have made me buy it, but I thought that that match was coming now. And then when it was the Bashams <laughs> versus Rikishi and Scotty Tuhati, I was a little let down. Well, I'm sure. Uh, and so we talked about the Bashams on the Royal Rumble episode, and you laid them out perfectly. So if you if you want to hear what we said about them, you can go back to that show. They were part of the Royal Rumble, um, but they brought out Shaniqua who was basically like a new style China for them. And essentially this entire match was centered around Rikishi trying to give Shaniqua the stink face. And look, man, Rikishi, he's on that bloodline uh, chart that we saw this weekend. Uh, (laughs) Here's the problem is that I love the head shrinkers. Like, I think the head shrinkers are a top 20 tag team of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, Make a difference. Fatu, I think was incredible yes. uh, because all of a sudden he just started wearing wind suits in the form of the track suit that I have on now. Yes. And telling people don't be in gangs. I thought that was great. Um, The fat dude with the huge butt in a man thong that's slapping his cheeks and trying to rub his freaking ass in a woman's face. That's 2004, right? Like I, like I, 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 that one, that one didn't, that didn't translate well to me. Like for, for the crowd to be popping this whole time at the idea of this dude that just loves to eat processed carbs, rubbing his butt in the face of this woman and and I'm not even trying to be snowflakey about it. Like I just thought that it was just really just unbecoming. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, I didn't. I I did not like it. It did not age well, especially with everything going on today. So like the first, that's why I said like the first 15 minutes of this show, you could just skip and you could probably have a better day because yeah. it was just too classic 2004 WWE. I should note that um, Jamie Noble and Nidia like overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly won the worst match, and yeah. it was this for me. Like I actually had fun with Jamie Noble and Nidia. Like it wasn't good, yeah. but I at least had fun. I didn't have fun with this. I didn't think that this was fun. I didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, Scotty Too Hotty and Rikishi are like. That would even me time machining myself. Yes. They're past their prime, dude. Like I I don't need to see you guys having the same tag titles that, you know, uh, Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle had or whatever. Like, you know, that was into like a 20 or it was like seven and 
if they would if that would have been four years earlier in 2000 it probably would have been not not what they did to Shaniqua, but like too cool in four years earlier was way in their prime better not prime prime end of their prime but still way better than what they were in 2004 I mean, I guess this is literally the equivalent, the SmackDown equivalent of get up, get up, get up, drop the bombshell, get up, get up. This is out of control. Like you hit that too cool music and the crowd pops and that's going to be it. And they retained. So, I mean, it was what it was. And uh, really quick before we move on here, Uncle Dave, let me go here. Let me go here. Let me go here. I have it. I have it. I have it. Uncle Dave said... That was a, and I'm sure he rated it pro- appropriately. Yep. Uh, star and a quarter. Ooh. Wow. That was a star higher than I'd have gave it. I know. <laughs> I know this. I know this for this next match, the Jamie Noble and Nidia match. He, I know he gave that a dud, and I disagree with dud. that. I, I also disagree with that. To <laughs> me, Jamie Noble and Nidia, man, this is a two-star match. Yeah. And it's two stars straight on entertainment value. There is terrible work. There oh. is. But, you, you know, we saw a great video package leading up to it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we had the Jamie Noble lift the b- blindfold, all <laughs> I can see, <laughs> now I'm going to cheat, yeah. popped me to the moon, man. Like, yeah. And the other thing I liked about it was that Nidia was like, playing in and stomping around to play into the blindfold gimmick, but then like throwing like kicks and stuff. I I actually thought that it worked well. Yeah. She did a really good job in this and the video package I thought was really good. They, they just continued this story from the rumble 90 or the rumble 2004 and where, you know, like Nydia costed him that cruiserweight championship with Ray and then as the, he got more and more angry with her, blamed her for losing that match, and then just kept blaming her throughout these SmackDowns and were till she finally realized that, well, she's healed, and she pulls off the glasses, and she's okay. And then that's what led, led to this, and that uh, they set up the match where Nydia got to choose, and she said, well, you're going to be blindfolded. And I, I loved it. I mean, not for the fact that he was talking to her so poorly and everything, but... Dude, I... I exploded when he said, you spent all my money, especially that $5,000 mink coat. And she put the mink coat in a wood chipper. I exploded, man. That was awesome. He carried out this hunk of mink going back to the curtain. It was great. Amazing. Yeah. Dave can say it's a dud. I guarantee you it's not a dud. It's, it's, it was a dud, but it was very fun. It was. It, it was so much more fun than the opener. Yeah. Like, like if I, I would have swapped ratings. I would have said that the second match was a star and a quarter and the opener was a dud. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like looking back on these eyes, like I, I absolutely, I, I had a lot of fun with the second match. And I understand why the opener was the opener, but yeah. So Dave's, Dave's rundown really quick, I can't say. Noble was supposed to be blindfolded. Nydia, who made herself look ridiculous with her new boob job as they were out of proportion, particularly in a small T-shirt, mainly danced around and kicked Noble. Noble uh, pulled off his blindfold and slammed her off the top rope. Noble then got the submission with a guillotine. Dud. This is the time where Dave hated boob jobs. Yeah. 
And, and like, look, I get it, man. Like I do, I do. Um, but there's a lot of very unbecoming things that Dave says about women that get themselves, uh, you know, yeah. fixed up at this point in time. And uh, so I, I think that that might've had a little bit of like uh subliminal Dave heat there, but I, I thought this was fun, man. I did. Yes. And the worst part is that we go into this next match, which was anything but fun. But but in between the match, they did the backstage segment with, is this where they did the backstage segment with Angle and Cena? Um, That was after this match. Okay, it's after this match. Okay, I jumped ahead too far. This world's greatest tag team versus APA, I have no idea why this is on the show. It didn't need to be on the show. It was probably a way just to get Bradshaw on the show before he becomes JBL because he becomes JBL very shortly after WrestleMania. So I'm just this. I really wanted to. There there was a huge pop for the APA. Again, understand why they were a part of it. But um, they, they, they did have a little bit of a story behind it. Why Bradshaw's arm was wrapped up and everything. But I just could have done completely done without uh, these next two matches that were on the show. APA in 2004 sucks. Like yeah. they, they they're terrible. They're not any good. And Ron Simmons is great. And JBL, he's not my cup of tea, but he's he's good, man. Like I I can't say that he's bad at what he does. At this point in time with this gimmick, it sucks. And what I, I was waiting the entire time for them to just rough up the world's greatest tag team former team angle thankfully they they got the win but of course they got the win only because the clothesline from hell was on the wrong guy right of course of course jbl would have beat the guy if it was the right guy and it was the wrong guy and he clotheslined him so goddamn hard that his arm fell off (laughs) those things made me yawn like they they really did and whatever like uh, this this isn't a pay-per-view match it wouldn't be a pay-per-view match today it shouldn't be a pay-per-view match then but it was what it was but like you said it was i guess it kind of set the table maybe for jbl to go away for a while and then come back as jbl but what irritated me was that he hit his finish and should have pinned pin the guy, but it was the wrong guy, yeah. and then he lost. Because, of course, he did, right? Right, it's so great. <laughs> but so I, I know next, that he had... Next thing, the next thing is the in-ring segment. So you might have timed that up, right, with that Kurt Angle backstage thing. It a Kurt Angle ba- the only reason I wanted to bring up that backstage segment is because we talked about Josh Matthews at the Rumble 04, and... Josh Matthews is every bit of 2004 as you could ever possibly be. He was 2004 at the Rumble. He was even more 2004 here in that backstage segment. Brother, when he was, here's the biggest thing is in 2004, I'm in college, right? So you're, you're just a young buck. Okay. But in 2004, I saw guys in going out shirts and whatnot. And so I had to bring up that the cuffs, that Josh, Matt, Josh Matthews had the rumble were so big that if he folded them up, his entire elbow would have been exposed. <laughs> Here, Josh Matthews is in a turtleneck that had to be bought at structure. 
And folks, if you don't know what structure is, you type in structure 90 store right now and you'll see what I'm talking about. It is a ribbed, ribbed turtleneck form fitting that still is loose on him because he weighs 106 pounds and he has thumb rings and just, just so many accessories on. I know. But I, but I can also see why he's on TV. Like but, I can see Vince being like, "Oh yes, yeah, yes, yes. You, you you you're it." Like, but God dang, man! Like, oh, he 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 is he's the guy in the real world that like you would see and be like, "Ooh, man, ain't that a time capsule?" And that was him. So in between, so where we are right now on the show because we got that out of order, but Goldberg made his way to his seat, which Stone Cold had given him a ticket. And this all was set up at the Rumble, which is, this is why I continuously say the Rumble, because this is so important to go back and listen to that show. And in in between these re- weeks on Raw, Stone Cold hands Goldberg a ticket and says, go to No Way Out. Here's your ticket. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. And so Goldberg takes his seat right in the front row, is escorted by security to his seat, sits down, Heyman struts that ass out there, and says he's not going to... is in a uh, Santa Slays yes. cut-off t-shirt, we yes. should note. Promoting promoting that movie uh, that yeah. I don't think anybody saw. And so then uh, Heyman basically says, we're not going to have this kind of stuff uh, on my show because he's the new GM of SmackDown, and this is not how we conduct our business here on the SmackDown brand. Well, then Brock comes out because it's pretty obvious that they're trying to set up Brock and Goldberg for mania. And Brock just keeps antagonizing uh, Goldberg to get in the ring and Goldberg obliges him. They get into the ring. They have a quick stare down Goldberg. Uh, they confront each other. Goldberg picks him up. They called him a bitch. Got in a, got in a bitch. Called him in. And then Goldberg proceeded to jackhammer Brock Lesnar and made him look like a feather, uh, might I add. That was an awesome, awesome jackhammer. It was. And then uh, they take Goldberg out in cuffs and he is barred from the arena. So I thought that was an awesome little segment. This this was a match everybody wanted to see. This was a match everyone talked about. They wanted to see Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar. We did get it years later. And spoiler alert, we do get it at WrestleMania 20. So something a little bit, something to look forward to for that show too. So not if you think that I didn't like about the angle was that this was the finger poke of doom angle. Just a little bit better. Yes. And, and that, that's why I didn't like it. Like it, it was too soon. You know what I mean? Like hashtag too soon. Right. Where we're going to take Goldberg out in cuffs. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that, that was the only thing to me where I was like, man, like the whole thing with the finger poke of doom that killed WCW was Goldberg's taken out in cuffs. And now we're going to take him out in cuffs again. Uh, yeah. Great, great seg. Like the, the in the ring stuff. Awesome. All of it was awesome. But that was the only part to me that was like, eh. Right. Think yeah. something better. Right. Right, because they already did it, and it just felt like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. The 
this was this was pissing on a fire though yes. when Bob Hawley oh. ran out to save the day. That, Dude, when Bob Hawley ran out to save the day, I almost turned the treadmill off and just was going to say, John, tell me how the rest of the show was. Right. But I'm a trooper, and I I watched nine minutes and 54 seconds of Bob Hawley versus <laughs> Rhino. <laughs> this is what I'll say about this, is that I have th- – this is my notes that I have on this right now. It's two sentences. Started brawling immediately. This match was made on Sunday Night Heat, and it should have stayed there. Bingo. Um, here's the thing, Brenna. Bob Hawley, you wanted me to think, was a credible opponent for Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble, and now he's wrestling Rhino. Yeah, it was awful. Awful. And there you are, Bob Hawley. Yep, you, you slided right back to where you deserve to be, bro. Uh, uh oh, this was a thing. This was a thing, and this would have been a fine. This would have been a fine TV match if it was five minutes long. Mm-hmm. It was almost ten minutes long on pay per view, and that was my problem with it. They they dude they hit each other. You know, they sold. They did they did all the things that pros do, but it was five minutes long, and it was on pay per view, and it should have been four fifty four. On television, that 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 was what I thought. Yeah, it was way too long. I I jumped ahead because I couldn't take. I I there was no part of me that wanted to see Bob Holly and Rhino duke it out because I already knew it was going to happen, and I just didn't want to put myself through it. I'm just so these last two matches. If they would eliminated them off the card, this would be a really really good show for me. And just slugging through that APA uh, match and then following it up with Hardcore Holly and Rhino. Like this is this is why we say the first seventy minutes of the show suck because yeah. now is where the show picks. the show yeah, is yeah. so good now. I'm telling you, man. So the last time we talked, I said that I watched the wrong hour and a half of the show, right? <laughs> yes, and yes. I I was not going to do this again because I watched the first hour plus and I was like. Why are we watching any of this? And then I saw Chavo and Ray. And brother, I was ready for six minutes, seven minutes. Yeah. 17? Yes. And not just 17, 17 great minutes. This was an excellent match. Yeah. Excellent. It was excellent. They had a great little uh, vignette beforehand. Uh, where they were showing that Eddie was knocked out backstage and Ray was there to help him. And then Chavo and Chavo Sr. show up. And then Ray blames Chavo, saying that it was him. And Chavo then says, like, he's going to he's gonna take the cruiserweight title. And if he wins, he's going to take off the mask and really show uh, Ray's true colors because Chavo doesn't hide behind the mask. And... Which they they teased it, and then once they came back from the vignette, all of a sudden you hear this dong, dong, and the when that happened, Baby Mongoose turned the entire way to the television and said, "Where's the Undertaker?" And I said, "Honey, he ain't coming for another couple of weeks." And that dude, but those those things were great because they even put up there with the full moon. 
28 days the dead will rise that was awesome i if you want if you go watch this show and i encourage everyone to watch this show you can skip you can start it right when you see chavo and ray on the screen you can start it then but that those undertaker vignettes still scare the shit out of me i didn't want to go to my basement in 2004 whenever this was happening because i was mortified that undertaker would be standing down there waiting for me and I still felt those chills when that happened when I watched it. I was like, I got to turn the lights on. This, I can't, I can't do this. It was, it was so well done. Uh, and then they just they they go through the entrances. They hop right into this match, and it was excellent. They did a lot of crabs, a lot of roll ups. Uh, the crowd was so behind Ray. Uh, there was incredible spots, which I thought the one thing that Dave said in there about that. Um, about that gut, or they they tried to do the gut buster, or the backbreaker off the top yeah, rope. Yeah. He said, "Oh, I wonder who showed him how to do that." And he put in quotations, "Dean Malenko," <laughs> but he almost broke his leg in the process too. Like that was a great move. The other move, the other spot that I have here is that one where he was gonna Chavo was gonna do a a backbreaker to Ray, but he flipped him around and turned into a gut buster. That was a heck of a move too. Well, and that was just it was that when they did that, like I it almost looked botched yeah. backbreaker that turned into a rib breaker. And then when they turned around and did the gut buster, I thought that was awesome, man. And I don't know if that was on purpose or that was on the fly, but regardless, like that was pro. That was pro stuff. I thought that was excellent, man. Yes. Really did. Yeah. In this match ruled it was so great they had um i can't remember the boxer's name that was with ray but they did a thing with him and chavo senior on the outside where he he was a legitimate champion boxer here's the thing too. here's the thing dude i was buying boxing pay-per-views at that time i didn't know who this guy was i had no idea who it was <laughs> like i'm not saying that he's a nobody but like i i i'm looking i'm like okay so this guy has this bangs up haircut like whatever but uh jorge paez yes whatever but like I, the the weird thing is is that like i was legit into boxing at this time and i didn't know this fella yeah he fakes a right hand gives chavo senior the left knocks chavo senior out and then you kind of forget chavo senior is even around for i awesome. awesome. totally forgot he was there until the very end whenever he uh helped out chavo for the win so Chavo wins, becomes cruiserweight champion. And what I really didn't like about this match, I think it's the only thing I don't like about this match, is how much that in the video package, he said he was going to go after uh, Ray's mask. He didn't even do it once. He just, they handed him the title, they went back up the ramp, and then they started into the next match. That's the only critique that I have from this. Um, it, but it was excellent. Excellent, excellent match. Yeah, man. The, the, the finish with... Ch not Chavito, Chavo, <laughs> right, 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 Chavo. That was awesome because you did forget about him. It, yeah, like it was really, really well done. Not only that you had the knockout blow, but they never showed him again. Right, and it was brilliant because then all of a sudden he ran up there, and I was like, "This mother!" Like I, I, I really did because it was that lie, cheat, steal kind of thing yeah. still going. That was excellent. Um. The one thing that I wanted to know was that Chavo Guerrero is Wheeler Yuta. 
<laughs> yes. Oh my god, that is so like cool. like like pretty good and I don't care about you. Yes, thank you. Like you know what I mean? Like like Chavo Guerrero is Wheeler Yuta. Like that that was what I had written down with this one. I love that. Uh and then we get the co-main event which is Kurt Angle versus the Big Show versus John Cena. The when when the Big Show walked out here, I was just ready to see him just breathing heavy. Yes. But I'll tell you what, man. Paul came to work, and I give him a lot of credit for that. He did. He legitimately put his working boots on here for this one. Yeah, yeah, he did. I was genuinely surprised. So this match did have stakes. So whoever won this match would be the number one contender and they would get their shot at the WWE championship for the SmackDown brand. They would be the challenger for SmackDown, whoever the champion would be of the main event, which is Lesnar and Eddie Guerrero. So whoever wins this match gets their shot, basically like winning the Royal Rumble. You get, you punch your ticket to WrestleMania. This match was SmackDown's way of punching the ticket to WrestleMania, which I thought was weird because they did a SmackDown Royal Rumble the night after the Royal Rumble, which we'll talk about. Which gave, yeah, which gave them the match for this pay-per-view. Yeah, it was a little wonky, but it it worked. Um, I had, this match was excellent. I was not expecting the finish. Like, I, I knew, I knew, obviously, I know, like, knowing what happens at WrestleMania 20, I knew who was going to win, but how they worked their way to it, um, the way that Big Show legitimately full monster here really worked well, worked as a true giant. Uh, legs, legs were starting to be a little flaky here. Uh, not- we're bowing, we're bowing, we're bowing the legs. Yeah, I noticed that whenever he was walking in, he, was that like he, possibly- he, he was starting, he was starting to look like a man that that these steps hurt. Yeah. Right. Like, 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 like me, me taking these steps hurts me yes. more than it hurts you. Um, so <laughs> when you said about him being a monster and I do give credit to the announcers for trying to put him over as a monster, this was coming off of the survivor series where he won the title, you know, and uh, listen, dude, Heyman. me then and me now don't believe it. Like, Nope. This is a guy where the guy that he beat for the title is 285 ripped pounds yes. of 26-year-old muscle that's mm-hmm. running all over the place. Yeah. And I couldn't believe him beating Brock. And I was happy that them trying to establish him as a monster was more so old Andre than it was young Andre. Right. Like, like here's some, here's some high spots with this big guy and he's going to squish you and blah, blah, blah. Like I, I actually did like that. I thought that they effectively used the big man here, especially to get over John Cena. Right. Like seeing Cena pick him up and giving him an FU is so impressive, man. Cena's waist is 16 inches around at this point in time. (laughs) Yes, And to see him pick up with the knee brace on and everything, and then it feeds into the finish, right? Where the the knees hurt or whatever. 
I, I really, I thought that that was a really good way to get Cena over as somebody credible. And for that, I appreciated it. But man, dude, Paul, Paul did not look in good shape here. No, uh, that I thought that Kurt Angle, this is the best Kurt Angle you're going to see. Uh, even though he is broken neck angle here, he tried to do a German suplex. He tried to German suplex show off the apron, which if they would have actually tried to do that, he probably would have decapitated Big Show or like paralyzed him or each other. And I thought that I, I love that you brought up that spot with the FU that Cena had because he almost threw Big Show on his injured knee, which is not a not a gimmick. He did injure his knee in the Royal Rumble, which we talked about. Whenever he was eliminated, he buckled his knee up uh, whenever he landed on the ground. So that's that's a shoot injury. I believe it's just like a like a I think they said that he um, strained his meniscus, but it wasn't serious. He was good. Enough, I mean, clearly he was good enough to pick up Big Show here. Uh, but I love that that was part of the story where Angle was going to get the ankle lock on Cena's bad leg, and that's what led to the finish with Angle. Yeah, yeah, and 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 right before he he chop locked him, like they they they, they fed into this story really really well. They they meshed, you know, they meshed reality with you know fiction or whatever you want to say. It, it, like that was this was top level pro wrestling storytelling. It was really really good. It was. I was very 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 impressed with this match. I was too. The interesting things about this is that two angle uh picked up an eliminated show by well he didn't eliminate show he dumped show out so that he could do the ankle lock on Cena for the win. Um but the other things that I wanted to add to with Angle winning, Angle becomes the number one contender so he is in the WWE championship at WrestleMania 20. The other thing, too, is that this leads to Big Show and Cena for the U.S. title at WrestleMania. And I will get to my last part. Uh, I will get to my last part when we get to the end because I almost gave away the finish of the end, which we kind of already know, but I want to save that little little nugget for the end. Yeah, like like you did before when you said the Forgotten Rumble, and then all of a sudden we saw the Forgotten Rumble at the end. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, uh, Dave, three stars on this one. And I'll tell you what, I would have given Eddie and Chavito three and a half to four. Yeah. And I would have given this one easy three and a half. And that's, you know, that's whatever we're micromanaging here, especially with these, with these, uh, you know, 20 year later goggles looking on it. But to have a match with the big show that wasn't in great shape with a green John Cena and it to get three stars from a Dave that like five stars weren't dealt out the way that they are now in, in, in G ones, right? Like, like Dave, Dave is generous now and he was not generous then Ooh. three stars. is a great match. And so it, I, I'm, I'm very happy that it, that it got that, you know, hat tip. Yes. Agreed. And that leads us right into the main event, which is Eddie versus Brock for the WWE Championship. So I have a little section here that I want to do of how we got to Eddie and Brock because it is important and it was a part of the SmackDowns. So the night after Royal Rumble, Chris Benoit goes to Raw 
and he chooses Triple H for the World Heavyweight Championship. So SmackDown does not have anybody to challenge for their WWE Championship, so there's no challenger for Brock, which everyone thought it was going to be Goldberg. So Heyman, on that first SmackDown after the Rumble, he created a, the SmackDown Royal Rumble. It was the first time they ever did a Royal Rumble on a SmackDown. They did 15 superstars, and whoever won this Royal Rumble at the end of the night was going to face Brock for the title at No Way Out. So... Uh, Matt Morgan was supposed to be in this Rumble. He got injured in the Royal Rumble, so Hardcore Holly replaced him, and Chris Benoit's spot since he left and went to Raw, and because he was the Rumble winner, his spot was filled by Eddie Guerrero. So this Rumble had John Cena, uh, we had Ernest the Cat Miller, we had A-Train, Charlie Haas, Shelton Benjamin, Nunzio, Kurt Angle, Bradshaw, Rhino, Billy Gunn, uh, Rikishi, Tajiri, and Big Show. So the finals of that was Eddie and Kurt. And and should should note should have been Tajiri. Yes, yes. It should hashtag, have been hashtag justice for Tajiri. Yes. <laughs> so Eddie wins. He gets his shot at Brock for the title. And-, and, and that finish was great too, which should be noted. Like they did a really good job showing that before this match because they did. Eddie had the three amigos, yeah. and Angle had him up, and Eddie got him back. And John, the, you know, you you're you were a young buck at this time. I can't tell you how many times in 2004 I saw a man come up for a suplex, and it's a false finish in a rumble because, of course, it's a false finish. Right. And Eddie had him up. And dumped him. And that was awesome. That was a great finish, man. Great finish. I absolutely agree. We've seen that a hundred times. They never finish it, but he dumped his ass for real on that one. And it was really good. And so basically they run the whole story for Eddie is that he has all these trials and tribulations with his addiction. And he has nothing to lose. Brock has everything to lose. And I love that kind of story. I love that story for a baby face. And the one thing that I do want to note about this is that this is in a very heavy Latino market. And to and Eddie legitimately handed out flyers, did radio spots, went around and legitimately sold tickets for this show because he had that much pride and he had that much um he was that convinced that this show would be a success even before he even won that rumble. So hats off to Eddie for going out there and being the pro and doing, doing the necessary things to sell the tickets. And the, the, the only thing that was weird, like you're right. This is a baby face comeback story. Chavito doing the, uh, yeah, he's an addict. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And addicts are losers. Like, I was like, well, thank you for telling me, I guess Eddie's going to win. I hope. Like, because, because it's just, oh, yeah, if you're ever an addict, you're a loser. You're never going to be able to win. Like, I was just like, man, Chavito, chill. Yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was, it was laid on thick, but that video package that they did actually, it did, it did like sort of, uh, I don't know what you want to say. Like it it helped fluff up the storyline again. Whenever you heard Eddie say, like, yeah, I'm an addict, 
I'm addicted to the crowd cheering me. I'm addicted to, like, I thought that that was a, the way that they layered that was really cool. It was just, Chavito was so heavy handed, man, that, like, (laughs) it was weird. It was a little weird. I do agree with that. Um, And this crowd, they popped huge for Eddie coming out. They were really behind him. And this match, you texted me before we got started, and you said, this match, in modern day would be legitimately blowing the roof off the place. And this match was incredible. I felt like this is, it's a very prototypical Brock Lesnar match with a smaller guy. He beats the absolute tar out of them early. And then they get a hope spot. And the hope spot was where Brock does the knee and he goes up over the uh, turnbuckle and goes on the outside. That's where Eddie finally like evens the playing field a little bit and can catch up to him. Uh, I, I thought that this was I thought this was an excellent match, even though they even had a little bit of a not of a hokey finish, but it really set up things for WrestleMania. And that's all that you really want when you have these bridge shows. I guess you want things to lay out what's going to happen next. Well, what was cool about it was you were right that it was the prototypical Brock versus a smaller guy. But, dude, if it's not Brock versus Goldberg, like which was the best four minute match ever in the history of four minute matches. Brock versus Finn Brock versus AJ. Like these are incredible matches. And this sort of made me more angry at hardcore Holly (laughs) in a weird way Uh, because hardcore Holly had to sandbag him and like teach him how to work or whatever and broke his neck in the process. And it's like, Oh, so we have this guy that's 26 or whatever at this time that is in the ring with somebody that can go. And it's like, oh, this guy can go. So I'm going to be a beast, but also give him any or everything and also sell all of his hope spots. Yeah. And that was what really, really made Brock through the mid 2010s was those matches where all of a sudden, you know, AJ uh, Brock hits his nose off of the uh, the turnbuckle, and now AJ has him in the craft cut or calf crusher. And what are we gonna do? Like, it was born of this match. Like, it literally was, and that was really, really cool to see. And the best part about this is that I anticipated a 15 minute WWE main event pay per view match. And this thing went 30 plus and it was awesome. I was false finished like six times. And I I thought that that was great. And I knew Goldberg was going to get involved and I'm watching and I'm, I'm waiting for him like three or four different times. And it never happened, which was really cool because like, they did a great job of the up, down, up, down, get you maybe, get you maybe. And the best part was that Goldberg came out and they false finished it. That, that was what made it for me was that Goldberg's spear wasn't the finish. If it, Goldberg's spear was the finish, I was going to be a little, <sighs> wasn't you know, but it wasn't. And because it wasn't, Dave gave this four stars. And again, this is this is Dave on a very, very different rating scale 
Like to me, this is a 4.75 star match. Like I, I seriously have this like just under five. I thought that this was absolutely incredible. And I mean, these, these guys came to work and they worked for 30 minutes, man. You know, like there was only a couple of bear hugs and things in between. And aside from that, it was just go, 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 go. And this was absolutely incredible. Like I was not ready for this match to be this good. I knew what the finish was. I didn't know how we were going to get there. And oh my God, am I glad I watched this. Yes. Uh, And the one thing that was great was, that was a huge near fall on the spear from Goldberg. And then Eddie grabbed the belt. And this is where like the lie cheating and stealing was like in its like prime. And Lesnar fooled him. It got the belt. And then he was going to give the F five. And then they do that. They do that counter into the DDT on the, on the title. It was so, 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 so good. Uh, But even better was that, in you know, with with TV eyes, you could see sort of missed the belt. Yeah. But then Eddie went and hit the five star fly, or hit, not the five star, but hit the frog splash, mm-hmm. right? And so, and he had to like contort to hit it. So like all all of it laid out perfectly. Like it wasn't a oh this was supposed to be a belt finish and we missed it and looked bad and blah blah blah. Like even if he missed it, and you want to say he missed it, Eddie countered the the f5 with a ddt and hit the frog splash and won so you wiped out anybody that was going to poo poo on it and i thought that was excellent absolutely excellent yes so eddie gets the win he becomes world champion uh they it's a really big deal because he had had all these uh trials and tribulations getting fired from wwe comes back becomes champion and the thing that I wanted to note is that the finals of the SmackDown Rumble ended up being the main event for SmackDown at WrestleMania with Kurt Angle and Eddie Guerrero. And I cannot wait to talk about that match because that match has one of the best finishes in WrestleMania history, and it is a doozy. It is so incredibly good. And ah, that was that was no way out of four. And it capped off a great one. Like it started so shitty, but it ended so great. Yeah, yeah. That 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 show ended the way that the Angle and Guerrero match did, where I was thinking to myself in real time, "Oh my gosh, this is going wrong." He's trying to fix, you know, he's trying to fix what's going on, and then, oh my god, that was a great finish. That was this show. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we're trying to we're trying to just get through to what oh my gosh, that was a great show. That was seriously how this went. That that angle and Guerrero match encapsulated the way that this card went, except this card at the beginning was shittier than the beginning of that match was. Yes, it was fantastic. So that is our review of No Way Out 2004. Uh we don't forget, we're going to do the uh, Road to WrestleMania. We're going to do that in a few weeks here, so be on the lookout for that. And we yeah, all hop on that motorcycle. That should be fun. And I think that that's a cool idea. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. And we're also going to take you to WrestleMania, and we're going to do the WrestleMania 20. It's the, the 
20 year anniversary of WrestleMania 20. We're going to WrestleMania 40. Can't wait for both of those things. And uh, I got to thank Teddy Mongoose for hopping on the train today. And make sure you check out the socials. Make sure you check out the underscore posse on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you drop a like and follow and share and subscribe. All that good stuff on YouTube. And with that, we will see you next time on the Podski.